Hi, I'm Gertrude Keesley, and this is Kingdom Consciousness. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, Matthews 24, 14. Before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom in its final form, the gospel of the kingdom must be extended throughout the nations of the world. In order to preach the gospel of the kingdom, we as kingdom citizens must understand the kingdom of God. Before we can become custodian to the keys of the kingdom, we must first experience kingdom living. In the past, much emphasis has been placed on the life and ministry of the king of the kingdom jesus christ and rightly so but not enough emphasis has been given to the gospel of the kingdom jesus told the religious leaders of his time ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer them that are entering to go in matthew 23 13. It was this gospel of the kingdom that was the central purpose of Christ's life. He began his earthly ministry by declaring the arrival of the kingdom. That's, you can find that in Matthew 4.17. He ended his earthly ministry by speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, Acts 1 and 3. In between the beginning and ending of his earthly ministry, the emphasis was on the kingdom. Luke 4.43 says, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. The kingdom of God was the greatest concern of Jesus. His teachings and parables focused on the kingdom. His miracles were a demonstration of the kingdom of God in action. The phrases kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used over a hundred times in the books of Matthews, Mark, Luke, and John. We will explore the distinctions between these two. We are told to seek first the kingdom, to pray for it and to preach it. We are told how to enter the kingdom and taught that residency in it requires a new lifestyle. God is equipping his citizens to become kingdom minded so that we can understand the business of the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king. Everything about us is royalty, but we must first adopt the mind of Christ in order to understand what that actually means. We cannot have a poverty mindset and expect to grasp the reality of how much God desires for us to prosper. But there is a greater purpose than just understanding kingdom principles. Citizens must go beyond mere knowledge of the kingdom 
to actually experience it and make it the central purpose of our living. So I invite you to come and go with me as we explore this most exciting, interesting, and eye-opening subject. Good afternoon. A couple of weeks ago, I began speaking to you about redeeming the time. Today, I'm going to continue with that. Why should we redeem the time? Because for one reason, time is precious because eternity depends on how you improve the time. It's in these days now, in this present era of time, that we hear and believe the gospel. And so eternity will depend on whether you improve the time wisely. Time must be pretty valuable. It must be a pretty valuable thing if your eternity depends on it. And not only that, but salvation isn't an instant thing. It's a life process. There's a whole race of salvation to be run. That initial justifying faith will be with you for eternity. But then there's a sanctifying race to be run. And we run it in time. So the soul is to be saved in time. Therefore, time must be a precious thing. Another point is time is precious because it's very short. It's shorter than we think. It's shorter than you think. The more scarce a precious commodity is, the more valuable it is. The Bible testifies that there, there's not much of it. Job said in Job 7, 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Job said that, that's what my life is like, swifter than a weaver's shuttle. The blink of an eye, it's gone. And James said, what is your life? It's a mist that appears for a little while, then it vanishes. So our time on earth is like a blink of an eye compared to eternity. Time is so short for the greatness of the work that's in front of us. And if time is already short and then we squander a portion of it, how great is that loss? Amen. Another reason is time is precious because time is actually uncertain. We don't know the amount of time we have. So it's precious and it's short and it's uncertain. Our lives could end tonight or they could continue for many years. We actually have no idea. And we have to make the most of what God gives us. How much more would many people prize their lives if they knew they had but a few months or even a few days left in this world? And so it is with multitudes in the world who assume they have many years left to enjoy it. 
They are in good health, have plenty of money, resources, like the rich food. In Luke 12, remember who's, he was like, had uh, land, he produced a bumper crop. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this harvest. But then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll just tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll say to my soul, soul, you've got things laid up for many, many years. Take life easy. Eat and drink and be merry. But look, God said to him, you fool, this very night, your soul will be required of you. Meditate on the word required, not requested. Death doesn't come and make a request. That's it. And yet, how many will be surprised by the coming of their death and think to themselves, I always thought I would have more time. Or I wonder if there are Christians saying that at this time. I always thought I would have more time. Another reason is that time is precious because when it's spent, it can never be recovered. Now, if we live 50 or 60 or 70 years, and for the, for the most part, haven't improved those years, it can't be helped. There's nothing I can do to help you about that. It's gone. All of it's gone. All that we can do is make the best of whatever time may, God may graciously give us. That's the point. So what do we do with all of this? What have you done with your time? Just think. You don't need to tell anyone. Just think about it. You haven't, you've heard about the preciousness of time. This may concern you, and it should. It applies to you. Reflect. How have you lived up to this point? To those who waste time, listen to me. To those who actually are convicted that they have had a habit of squandering it as though it were an endless resource like tap water, not a well system, by the way, just turn it on, it flows forever. If you've been thinking like that, mm, and you've been wasting time, then be convicted. You've already had a great deal of time that was given to you. So what have you done with it? Let your conscience answer for you. Maybe you will conclude that your lifetime is half gone, and it may well be. If you're 35, 40, or more, or you may think you've got half of your life still ahead of you, and you may be right or you may be wrong. You don't know. But let's say you've spent half your life. What have you done with it? Every day, that God has given you has been unspeakably precious. How have you spent it? How have you spent it wisely or foolishly? Have you wasted hours and days and months and even years? Now, if you look back and search your memory, do you find that in a large measure you've wasted your time or did you use it well? Think of how much can be done in a day in which you gave absolutely everything to Jesus. Think of what that day would look like. 
You gave yourself fully, energetically, mentally, and physically. Everything you had for Christ that day. That's how much you can do in one day. So how many of your days have been like that? And what have you done with all the time you spend in spiritual pursuits? How many sermons have you heard? How many teachings have you uh, teachings have you heard? How many books have you read? How many things has God poured into your soul of the word of God? How much has he given you? Another way to look at it would be conviction of sin. So let's, let's, let me speak to you, to those who spend a lot of time in idleness. That may not be any of you, or it may be some or many of you. But if you know that you're spending a lot of time in idleness, doing nothing at all, following no business, not improving yourself, not working on spiritual strength, not working on a skill set, not working on your spiritual health, not praying or interceding, not studying scripture, not being out leading others to Christ, not being out serving others in the body of Christ. You're just pouring hours after hours down the hole of mindless recreation. You need to repent. It calls on you to labor and live differently. Look at Ephesians 4.28 and apply it to you and me. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may benefit those in need. It's like you've been stealing from God. So use your time going forward with others, for others. Invest in your heart, in your mind, and your soul so you can blame others. I'm sorry, so you can bless others. Please forgive me. And then get out and serve. Use your spiritual gifts. Use the gospel. Get out and do things. Repentance and reformation go together. One author makes it clear that the time once spent has gone forever. So you may be saying, there's nothing I can do about last Wednesday. No, but you have a memory. And you can look at, if you remember, what you did that day. Repent. Live better. God is in his God and his grace may give you more time. And if so, repent. Change your mind and thought. The time you've wasted can still serve a useful purpose in your soul's endeavors. If a sense of conviction and a kind of holy passion, a zeal, a resolution fills us, then the painful memory of those wasted hours will actually serve us well. God may still be pleased to bless some that up to, up to that moment were in an unconverted state, like the man who wasted all his years, but still you can gain the victory that overcomes the world, which is faith in Christ and all of heaven will rejoice. But then for you Christians, God wants you to feel the weight of the preciousness of time and reflect seriously on how much depends on it to feel the brevity of life and how short time is and how rapidly it's flowing. And you feel the weight of these truths. Then you will buy back each hour of the day and you will acknowledge yourself accountable to God 
for how you are living. As part of it, it's like your time, it's like our time to spend how we want. And actually it says in Romans 4, 7, and 8, none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's what the word says. Seek to find out what pleases the Lord, what good works he has for you to do. You may feel the sting of time already wasted, and you should. Some of you may feel the sting of conviction, realizing you wasted some of your best years of your life, your youth, the years when you had maximum physical energy, maximum vigor, maximum idealism, but you were deceived into squandering it. Now you're middle-aged, you're older, and there's nothing you can do about that except resolve to spend your middle-aged years and older years better. So don't be discouraged. God is gracious. Joel 2.25 says, God is able to restore the years the locusts have eaten. But he does it for the people who seriously repent and feel the weight of what's happened. If you've repented, he won't restore. If you haven't repented, he won't restore the years the locusts have eaten. They'll eat more years. So I encourage you today, don't get depressed. Get energetic. Be zealous. Have a fire in your belly. Zeal for the glory of God. Not, there's nothing I can do. Last Wednesday is gone forever. That's not the right answer or the right attitude. So understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what he wants of you. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of God and finish his work. That's Jesus' wisdom for you today. What does he want you to do today? Find out and do it. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.